All right, renin-angiotensin aldosterone cascade. Have, have I shown you this picture before? No. I have. All right, well, let's talk about it. Now, angiotensin ogen. Ogen means? It's an inactive form. It's the precursor to angiotensin, one in this case. Now, something is going to convert angiotensinogen into angiotensin 1. And what is that something? Yes. Okay. Now, where, so that gives us two questions. First question is, where the heck does angiotensinogen come from? The liver. When in doubt, if it's a protein, guess liver. Where does renin come from? The kidneys. And that, you can tell that because of renin, renal. Okay, so angiotensinogen is floating around in your blood, just waiting to be converted into angiotensin 1. And when is it going to be converted into angiotensin 1? When the kidney decides, hey, I don't have enough pressure. When the kidney decides that, it's going to release renin, which is going to hunt down the angiotensinogen in the blood and convert it into angiotensin 1. But that's not enough. Your lungs are then going to create something called ACE, angiotensin-converting enzyme. What do you think that's going to do? It's going to convert angiotensin 1 into angiotensin 2. Angiotensin 2 is what's going to affect our blood pressure. It's going to affect at least two receptors that we know about, and some people think there's a third receptor, but we don't care about that. Now, ACE is also an interesting thing because it not only affects angiotensin, it also affects bradykinins. So it turns bradykinins into inactive peptides. Now, bradykinin normally causes blood pressure to go down. So by inactivating it, we cause an increase in blood pressure. By activating angiotensin 1 into angiotensin 2, we cause blood pressure to go up. So in both cases, ACE makes blood pressure go up, makes blood pressure go up. Renin makes blood pressure go up. Okay. So in order to convert in order to make angiotensin 2, we need two things. What are the two things? ACE and renin or renin. What produces renin? What produces angiotensinogen? What produces ACE? The lungs. All right. What is the ACE1? Those are re angiotensin receptors. Receptor 1 and receptor 2. Um, you don't need to know about that for my purposes now. If you become a nurse practitioner, then we'll talk about it. All right, angiotensin 2 is going to cause constriction of arterioles, and it happens within hours. So your kidneys start detecting, hey, I don't have enough blood pressure. Remember, kidneys do not care about the rest of the body. They control the rest of the body, but they don't care about it. What do they care about? Themselves. It's kind of like, have you ever had an itch? 
where you, 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 just, you can't do anything else until you get rid of this itch. You know, even though the itch is only in one place, it's affecting your whole body, kind of like that. All right, now, angiotensin II, in addition to causing vasoconstriction, will also cause the release of aldosterone. And aldosterone will cause retention of sodium and water, which happens within days. It will also cause remodeling of the heart and artery muscle, arterial muscle. And that happens within weeks to months. So it causes the heart and the arteries to get more muscle. Now, what's that going to do to uh, the ability of your heart to contract? It's going to make it able to contract harder, theoretically. What's it going to do to our arteries? It's going to make them more, more constricted. What's that going to do to blood pressure? It's going to make it go up. So we constrict the arterioles within hours, directly through angiotensin. We're going to... Angiotensin is also going to make aldosterone be released. The aldosterone will cause retention of sodium and water within days, making blood pressure go up. And then over weeks to months, it will make the heart and the arterial muscle stronger, bigger, faster. Able to jump small buildings, leading single bound. Say again? We'll talk about that in heart failure. I said that's the theory. Okay. Now, renal retention of water. I'm supposed to do a, an Aladdin moment here. Ultimate cosmic power in any bitty living space. So, kidneys have ultimate control over the amount of blood in your body, but they only occupy a very small space. So, Ultimately, the amount of blood pressure we have is governed by our kidneys. Now, the kidneys are under the influence of glomerular filtration rate. The more blood that gets filtered, the more urine can be produced. The renin-angiotensin-aldosterone pathway, which is designed to maintain what? Blood pressure to the kidneys, and antidiuretic hormone, which is produced by the posterior pituitary gland, and then natriuretic peptides, which we'll talk about in a moment. See, a moment has passed. All right, natrium is the Latin for, natrium is the Latin for for salt, for sodium. Natrium is Latin for sodium. Have you ever wondered why they call it Na? Well, now you know. It's short for natrium. Now, uretic means urine, pee. So, natri, salt, pee. So, natriuretic peptides are going to tell the kidney to excrete more Salt. As the sodium, the salt, gets secreted, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the water? 
water is going to go with it, increasing diuresis. Now, if we go back a slide, renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, does that make us retain or lose water? Retain. ADH, does that make us lose or retain? Retain. Natriuretic peptide, lose. All right, so keep, keep, lose. Retain, retain, lose, however you want to think about it. Now, there's several different types of natriuretic peptides. They are similar but different. The first one we discovered is called ANP and is primarily, primarily re released by the atria. So as the atria get stretched, they begin to go, just like Fernando and her bra was snapped, don't do that again or I'll hit you. So as it gets stretched, it's saying, hey, um, we don't need to be stretched here. Could you please stop? So it's going to tell the kidneys to... to secrete sodium and therefore water. BNP uh, was originally discovered in the brain of animals. So the name is stuck, BNP, but it's actually produced primarily by your ventricles. So you can, you can produce the B like a Spanish person and B and V are similar. So, so it's, it's really VNP, not BNP, got it? ventricles. Now, it's going to be, yeah, just go with it. It's going to be produced when your ventricles are stretched. It's going to cause two things. It's going to cause the release of sodium and diuresis, but it's also going to cause increased vascular membrane permeability, which could lead to what condition? Edema. And it's also going to promote vasodilation. So it's going to reduce blood pressure in three ways. One, it's going to cause diuresis. Two, it's going to cause a little bit of edema as, as uh, volume goes from the arteries into the tissue, the interstitial space. And the third thing it's going to do is it's going to cause vasodilation. When does your body produce BNP? when the ventricles are stretched. And that means that there's too much preload. And what are the three conditions where we're going to have that? Heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure. But by far the most common one is going to be heart failure. And then there's a third type of natriuretic peptide called C-type natriuretic peptide. And that is released by the endothelium and primarily causes vasodilation. So we have how many types of natriuretic peptide? Three. ANP, BNP, CNP. I, I guess there's maybe a DNP that we just haven't discovered yet. All right, we are going to transition now from general blood pressure theory and physiology to hypertension. Now, there's two types of hypertension. What are they? Primary and secondary. Now, primary is also called essential. And what it means is there's no real identifiable cause. You're just, your blood pressure is high. Secondary is caused by something else. So here's a list of something else's. We call them the ABCDs. 
because they all start with All right, so the first one, the first one, accuracy of diagnosis. If you're off by five millimeters, you can affect 27 million people in the United States alone. Five millimeters of difference will affect 27 million Americans, pushing them either you miss the hypertension or you give them artificial hypertension by being inaccurate. So, who wants to go practice their blood pressure technique a little more? Practice with the machine. The next one is obstructive sleep apnea. Patients with obstructive sleep apnea, what's the major symptom of that? Snoring. People who have this condition, it's not just that they snore and their spouses complain. It is more common in men, by the way, but that when they wake up, they feel like they haven't slept at all because they, they just feel like they haven't slept at all. They feel just as tired as when they went to bed the night before. That can cause hypertension. The next one, aldosteronism. Your body's releasing abnormal amounts of aldosterone. The next one is a brewery, a renal brewery in particular. Now, what does a brewery mean? Well, that's what it is. What does it mean? Turbulent blood flow. What's the most common cause of turbulent blood flow? Plaque in the artery. Now, if it happens to be in a renal artery, what does that mean is happening to renal blood flow? It's going down. And what do we say the kidneys care about more than anything else? themselves. So what is the kidney going to do as blood flow goes down? It's going to release renin, which is going to cause blood pressure to go up. So to drive perfusion of that, of that kidney, it's going to cause increased blood pressure all over the body. Bad kidneys. What's the treatment for bad kidneys? Okay, I mean, what's the treatment before you transplant them? Dialysis. So they're going to hold on to excess fluid. Catecholamines, such as epinephrine and norepinephrine. Now, we don't mean people who are nervous here. What we're talking about is someone who has a tumor that secretes catecholamines. What would that tumor be called, by the way? Pheo something. He's correct about the pheo. Pheocytochromo. Pheochromocytoma. There you go. Yeah. Pheochromocytoma is a tumor that releases epinephrine. Coarctation of the aorta. Now, what does the aorta do? It comes off of the heart and then it, it makes an arch and then it comes back down. If you have a narrowing, a stricture, in the arch, you're going to have increased blood pressure behind, the, behind that stricture, and that can cause high blood pressure. What will it cause in the lower extremities? Low blood pressure. So here's the rule. If you ever have a patient who's young, 20s, teens, who's got high blood pressure, guess what you want to do? Blood pressure and the legs. 
All right, next one is Cushing syndrome. What is Cushing syndrome? Not calcium. What is Cushing syndrome? Okay, well, it's characterized by the moon face. What's it caused by? Excess glucocorticoids. Now, we can get it by either having an adrenal gland that's producing too much cortisol, or we can give it to a patient by giving them long-term long doses of steroids. Either one can cause hypertension. Some drugs can cause hypertension. Uh, recreational, for example, like when you're down, down on the ground, cocaine. Where did I get that? Eric Clapton, hello. Yeah. Um, give, me, give me another recreational drug. Not give me. Tell me another recreational drug that can cause hypertension. Amphetamines, especially of the meth variety. Diet. High sodium diet, high fat diets can also cause high blood pressure. Um, this seems to be more, at least the sodium seems to be more related to ethnicity. For instance, the Japanese eat about five times the amount of sodium we do and they hardly have any blood pressure at all. Too much erythropoietin, which is usually going to be caused by excess medication. And uh, certain endocrine disorders like hyperthyroidism. Now, hypertension is what we call a disease of degree. What does that mean? It means you need some blood pressure to be alive. But if you go above a point, it starts to be bad. And the higher you go above that, the worse it is. So the question is, what's the point where it starts being bad? Do this. It used to be 100 plus your age. So if you were 60 years old, normal blood pressure would be 160. If you were 40 years old, it would be 140. Nowadays, they say, you know, hmm, I don't think that's good. It's got to be lower than that. So what's normal blood pressure now? Below 120 over 80. No matter the age. And 140 over 85 in between normal and that is called prehypertension. I'm just telling you the official definitions now. Now, above 140 over 85 is considered hypertension. And there's actually two stages of hypertension, stage one and stage two. So above 160 over 100 is considered stage two. Below that is considered stage one. All right, now, there are five what we call end organ damage. Sometimes they're called target organs. These are the organs that high blood pressure damages. The first one is the heart. How does it damage the heart? Okay, so it makes the heart work harder, but I thought exercise was good. Not on the heart. So if you want a muscle to get bigger, what do you do? You don't work it out. You 
make it exercise against resistance. So you would lift weights to make it bigger. Yeah, doing this all day with no weight <laughs> ain't going to make those muscles bigger. But if you start lifting weights, then it gets bigger. Same thing with the heart. You can make it pump all you want. It's not going to get bigger until you make it pump against resistance. So by increasing afterload, we make the heart get bigger in terms of muscle thickness. Now, as muscle thickness grows, I'll use my handy-dandy little uh, chart here. So instead of having this nice big area to fill up with preload, now you've got a thick muscle. Now how much preload can you put in there? Not as much. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever worked out really hard and then you're like, your muscles still felt big and you're like, I can't straighten my arm out all the way. Have you ever done that? Okay, I've got one yes. <laughs> Trust me, it happens. So what can happen is now this muscle can't fully relax anymore. What's that going to do to preload? It's going to make it go down. So you actually make the heart worse by working it out with high blood pressure. The next target organ is the brain. And blood pressure is highly correlated with strokes. The, more, the higher your blood pressure, the more likely you are to have a stroke. The next one is the kidneys. So high blood pressure directly damages the glomerulus. And what's the first sign of that usually? What's the first sign of kidney damage usually from hypertension? Say again. Not hematuria. Proteinuria. So proteinuria. And remember, on a urinalysis, the protein that they're checking for is rather large amounts of protein. So there's a more sensitive test that we call microalbuminuria. Don't, don't, it's not going to be on a test. I'm just for your own, if you see that, that's what you know. Okay. The next one is arteries. Excess pressure damages arteries. And finally, we have the eye. So that can lead to not glaucoma, blindness, macular degeneration. Yes. No, that's the vitreous pressure of the fluid in your eye, which is not related to blood pressure. All right, arteries. So the higher pressure causes physical damage to the arteries, and it also causes scarring of elastic arteries. Your, your uh, aorta and your carotid and your iliac arteries are designed to stretch. As they get damaged, they stretch less. Now, if you replace an elastic artery with like a rigid hose type artery, is that going to make your heart have to pump harder or less hard? Harder. harder. So it's going to damage the heart as well. It's also going to cause increased risk for atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis will in turn cause turbulent blood flow. Turbulent blood flow will decrease endothelial damage, endothelial function, making the arteries more at risk for blood clots and atherosclerosis. Now, here's something you might not have known. Where does atherosclerosis occur? 
Okay? What part of the artery? Okay, most people think that atherosclerosis happens here. It doesn't. It actually happens here in between the media and the interna. It happens between the muscle and between the, the endothelium, between the interna. Now, the more blood pressure you have, the more it's going to drive particles into that what we call subintimal space. And finally, it's going to cause resetting of the baroceptors, which is going to cause your body to think that the hypertension is normal. All right, as far as the heart goes, we already talked about the vicious cycle. It puts your heart more at risk for ischemia because even though the muscle layer is thicker, there's no more arteries that go into the heart to feed it than there were before. So you've got more muscle being fed by the same number of arteries. So if there's any decrease in blood flow through those arteries, guess what happens? Ischemia and cells die. So it's going to make our heart more vulnerable to coronary artery disease. As for the brain, increased risk of atherosclerotic stroke and also increased risk of hemorrhagic stroke. For the kidney, we need to remember that the glomerulus is artery. So if protein is leaking into the urine, that means that you've got direct damage to arteries. If you have protein leaking into the urine, it means that protein is leaking through an artery because the glomerulus is an artery, not a capillary. So it's a, it's a direct sign you have arterial damage. And then as far as the eye, the retinal arteries are very sensitive to pressure. And if, if you've got damage to the retinal arteries, you're going to begin to get damage to the rest of the eye, leading ultimately to impaired vision and blindness. We're almost there. Now, we call, we call hypertension the silent killer. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. All right. So even though most people don't have any symptoms, at least symptoms that they recognize as being from hypertension, it can cause headaches, double vision, lightheadedness, nosebleeds, anxiety, palpitations, sweating, increased urine output, weakness, hematuria, retinal changes, hyperemic ears, ooh, and mucous membranes, cool, hyperemic subconjunctiva, and everyone's favorite, subconjunctival bleeds. Do you remember what those look like from health assessment? <sighs> well, I'll describe it instead. It's when the white part of the eye fills up with blood. All right, now, approaches to treating hypertension. We can inhibit sympathetic impulses. That will do a few things. We can cause decreased contractility. We can also slow down the heart rate. Both of those will cause less pressure. It'll also protect the heart against some of that hypertrophy that we were talking about. We can also inhibit vasoconstriction. We can inhibit the uh, renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, which will cause vasodilation and 
will decrease blood pressure by inhibiting it. Yeah, so we'll inhibit vasoconstriction and we'll also inhibit through aldos inhibiting aldosterone, inhibit blood volume retention. And we'll also prevent the remodeling of the heart and arteries. We can inhibit vasoconstriction directly in a number of different ways. And we can also inhibit renal retention of water using diuretics. Diuretics. This is a list of some of the things we'll talk about next class. All right.